Hey church, great to see you. As Jaden said, my name is Jess and I am um, with my husband Schaefer and we have the absolute privilege of leading this church, Oceans Perth and Oceans Church, which is in Albany. And so um, that's a really new thing if you are visiting with us, that's a brand new thing. Just a few weeks ago, we uh, here, we were Everlife and we merged with Oceans Church in Albany and now we're about three or four weeks into being one family in two locations. And so um, that's been fantastic. And so Schaefer is actually in Albany as we speak. And I, um, when we woke to the news, or was it last night? I'm not sure. Anyway, possible lockdown again. Who took a bit deep breath and went, oh, <laughs> that was me. But um, I actually asked Schaefer to stay in Albany. He was going to be returning to Perth this afternoon to preach. But I said to him, look, I feel like you should stay in Albany. If we go into lockdown, there's no point in you being here. You may as well remain in Albany out of the, um, out of it and, you know, not having any... I'm not sure, Mum, can you turn my sound down in my... Or whatever it is that I'm meant to ask. It's too loud. It's, it's ringing in my ears. Thank you. Um, so I said, so I'm actually here today. I'm going to be preaching Schaefer's message because that's what happened when I said, oh, can you stay in Albany and not come back to Perth? He's like, sure, but someone's going to preach. I'm like, oh, right, yes, sure. Yep. So I'm here preaching Schaefer's message um, tonight. So um, how'd you go, like, singing with your masks on? No one's passed out yet. <laughs> thought I might for a while there. I was like, (gasps) Um, what I want to know is, um, what I'd like to know is who has gone out this week and forgotten your mask? Uh, (laughs) Same, like three times. It kept getting worse and worse. Um, And one particular point, I went into a service station and I was like, oh, that's right. And I'm like, doing this. And then there was this like ambulance officers walking in behind me and I felt so guilty. And I'm like running in and then running out. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So anyway, <clears throat> sounds like we're all in the same, same boat. Um, is anyone here for uh, the first time today? Put up your hand, let me see who you are. I know we've got a few people here I don't recognise. Welcome, it's lovely to have you here um, on this sort of strange time in Perth really where so many of our crew are coming in online today as well. So we have been doing our vision series and so for many of you here who were a part of the beginning of this church which started only just over two years ago, um, my husband and I came here to Perth, we were living in Melbourne, we came here to Perth and established this brand new community and we based it on a vision that is not unlike many other churches but it's to know God and to help others know him. So know God, grow together, which is all about committing to community, growing together, um, and doing that in the context of our church community. And our third uh, is go, go with purpose. So it's know, grow, go. So easy to remember. And so this week is our third week of the vision series, and so we're sharing around uh, go, going with purpose. Um, so let me just flick through Schaefer's notes. <laughs> and look, it's a fantastic message. And if you think I don't do it justice, go and watch it online in Oceans, Albany. It's um, Schaefer's preached it. And it, I think that's going up uh, this afternoon on 
on YouTube, so you can always grab it there. But basically, um, let's just, yeah, so it's go with purpose. So let's just talk for a minute about purpose. Everyone wants purpose in their life. No one wants to just bump along with life and not achieve anything, not uh, have their life mean anything. We all are concerned with purpose. And you know, it's interesting actually, no matter how much of a sense and desire you have right now, perhaps as a young person, to live a life of meaning, that only increases and grows in strength and desire as you grow older. There's actually a study that was done a few years ago called, um, oh, what was it called? Lifespan Legacy or something like that. Anyway, and it's a study and it basically shows that nine out of ten people have a deep desire to leave a legacy, to, le to have their life mean something more than themselves once they hit the age of 50. And I don't think it's something that just magically turns on at the age of 50. I think it's just something that's in our hearts always. But it's like it becomes more and more important as we grow in our perspective, as we grow in our experience of life. And so this is, um, and it's something that when I was at university, I remember studying like the lifespan of a human and how important this idea of leaving a legacy, of having lived your life for more than yourself becomes as you get older. Um, one of the things with this is, you know, we often think about things when we get older that we know are important. Like, take for example superannuation. You know that you're supposed to save for when you retire, right? We all know it, but sometimes it's really hard to do it right now when you've got the demands of the rest of your life going on. Sometimes there's a good reason to maybe put more money into buying a house now than super later or whatever, but often we can whittle away our savings on just the latest fashion or eating out and, and cause, because it's not such a present concern, you know, it seems a very long way away and, you know, and then there's the question of how do you save? You know, is it superannuation? Do you buy houses? Maybe you buy Bitcoin and just leave it because that's going to be big, you know, apparently and when we get older and we need money, it'll be all good, but we don't really know the way there. So that's like this idea of super and superannuation. I guess sometimes purpose, we can treat it a bit like that. I'm not quite sure how to get meaning in our life. It could be this or it could be that. Um, but we don't want to get this wrong. Unfortunately, we don't have to because God has shown us how we can uh, live a life of meaning and a life of purpose in line with his word. You know, we want to pay attention to these things because... It's a bit like, you know, the common saying that money doesn't make you happy, but if you really actually wanted to find that out, you could spend your whole life trying to build wealth, only to find out, oh, that it didn't actually achieve the purpose. It's so important not to do that with meaning and purpose in our lives, not to spend a whole life trying to do it in a certain way, only to find that actually that was never how we were meant to do it. Does that make sense? So it's awesome that God actually shows us. He gives us a bit of a roadmap. And so Schaefer has put it like this. He said, if you want to live a life of meaning, you need to decide to become the means to an end. So if you want to have meaning in your life, you need to decide to become a means to an end. So we always know that living a life or anything worth anything is going to cost us something, right? And most of us are quite willing to work hard for something that we think is important. But I think this is really interesting what he's captured here as we start to describe and unpack how God shows us to live a life of meaning. 
is the sacrifice of it is maybe different to what we originally or automatically think it might be because it's not so much a sacrifice of hard work, although that is part of it. The idea of becoming a means to an end. What do we mean by that? Schaefer's given the example of a microphone. We've got this microphone here, a piece of plastic with this thing on it. I was actually thinking about microphone earlier because a year ago when COVID first came in and we were shut down, I actually cleaned all of the microphones in our church. And I was like, oh, they actually screw off. And then there's a slight little bit of foam underneath. Anyway, <laughs> so I got quite acquainted with the microphone when I cleaned them. But, um, but, you know, the purpose of a microphone is to project the voice of the user. And if it didn't do that, what use would it be to us, right? It's not got its own merit, really. If it didn't do what it does, it wouldn't really mean anything, right? It doesn't exist for itself, this microphone. It doesn't exist for its own glory. We don't go, oh, wasn't the microphone great today? Gee, that microphone did a good job. You know, it's really, <laughs> it's a thankless job being a microphone. <laughs> If it didn't serve a purpose, it wouldn't have any meaning. And this is, I felt, was a slightly brutal way to describe what it means to become, a, to have meaning is to become a means to an end. And you can think about it like this. For us, we are a means to God's end. He's not created us to pursue our own end, our own vision, our own meaning, our own purpose but that actually as we pursue his purpose, as he shows us how to connect into what God is, um, is doing, that's where we begin to find meaning. Does that make sense? Like we were saying before, you can't actually serve two masters, so you can't do both. You know how um, we were saying before, sometimes you know, you've got to put all your eggs in one basket, like when it comes to superannuation or saving for when you're older. You've got to pick a method and go with it. Like Christianity, it doesn't really work when you just you know, chuck it into your life and stir it. it it's, it's like an all-in thing. It's like all your eggs in one basket. It's all encompassing. It's full trust. You can't have both. You can't pursue both your own things as well as the things of God. One has to give out at the end of the day. So until we are willing to be the means to God's end, we will never be powered by purpose. Perhaps the real question is not what have we been created for, but who I have been created for. Those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. Let me read that again. This is Andy Stanley. He's a fantastic communicator of leadership and Christianity. He says, those who devote themselves to themselves will ultimately have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. It's a bit of a tongue twister. But if you devote yourself to more than yourself, you will ultimately have more than yourself to show for yourself. See, your own glory is a small thing to live for at the end of the day. This microphone, if it wants to exist for itself, all it will get is some metal and plastic. But if it continues in its purpose of projecting my voice, laying itself aside, all of a sudden it has significant meaning. It's a carrier of the gospel to many. 
And so this is an example of ourselves, of our lives. Do you know, I think that, you know, we are, we are, we are absolutely drenched in a culture that tells us that um, life is all about ourselves, about our own purpose, about our own expression, about who we are, our own identity, what makes us comfortable, what makes us happy, what we're going to do. You know, we tell young people, certainly when I was younger, it's like, you're so special, there's so much about you, there's something about you, you're so wonderful, you're so great, and there's this kind of like dialogue that goes on that suggests that life is all about ourselves and satisfying ourselves and finding out about what ourselves is and my, my thing and my purpose and my call and my, um, my identity and my style and, you know, my family and my things, you know. Do you know, get what I'm saying? Um, it's kind of really there. And I think that the church is in danger of becoming meaningless because we can bring that mentality, that secular mentality, into the church and just stamp a Christianity on it and still be my core, my purpose. How is God going to outwork my purpose in my life? How am I going to be you know, satisfied in church, my comfort, my people, my style? Same thing, right? Just with a Christian stamp. And yet God has called us to be very, very different. And the difference is what brings us that meaning. You know, the Bible says that we're called to be like salt and light in the earth. If the salt loses its, its flavour, the Bible says, what use is it but to be thrown out? If the light is turned out, it cannot be light in the darkness anymore. But that difference is crucial. We cannot bring secular culture and mentality in and put a Christian stamp on it and think that it's going to produce meaning in our lives. So why does the church exist? You know, the church was, it was never created to exist for itself, but again, as a means to the end, to take the gospel to the end of the earth. So we have been called to lay our lives down, not to hide our light, but to let our light shine in the darkest places on the planet. That is our purpose. That is the purpose of the church. And that is what we are called to be a means to the end, God's purpose of bringing his gospel um, his beautiful news of salvation to everywhere, as far as we can spread it. You know, the Bible says that, there's, that we always have, you know, God gives us one more day. The only reason the sun comes up every morning is to give people one more day to come and know Jesus. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's been patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, but wants everyone to repent. This is how important God's purpose is. Thank goodness that God's mercy is new every morning. It's new every morning. And so sometimes we can get off track with our sense of what it is to live a life of meaning, but God's mercy is new every morning. It's never too late to get with the program. Jesus' final command should be our first priority. He says, go and make your life awesome. Yeah? And he says, go and make disciples of all nations. It was a command, not even a suggestion. Go into all the world and use your life as a means to my end that none should perish. Do you know the disciples, they literally poured out their life for this 
purpose, for God's purpose. They spent their lives. 11 out of the 12 were killed because of their faith and commitment to using their life for the purpose of God. I mean, what an example. You know, sometimes we can, you know, it's such a trust thing, the, the Christian faith. It's not this easy road that we take. It's, a, it's trusting God. And sometimes we can be like, God, I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you with my future and my purpose. And that's true. But sometimes a more refining question to ask is not, can you trust God with your purpose? But can God trust you with his purpose? How many of us are willing to lay down our life as a means so that no one would perish? I don't know if I am, but here in Australia, we probably won't soon be called to do that, fortunately. But as we align our strength, the strength of our life with God's agenda and purpose, then we can begin to live a life of meaning as we become a means to the end, a means to fulfilling the purpose that God has. So to the degree that you and I align the strength of our life, of our time, of our talents and treasure to the purpose of God is the degree to which we will find purpose and meaning in life. So church exists not to fulfill the mandates of the latest social trends or political party. We exist that people would come to know God. Do you know... um, when I was younger and when, you know, we often prayed, and it's a prayer that I highly recommend if, you're, if you struggle in this area, that God would show you his heart for people, that he would reveal his love for people. Um, many of you probably know that Shafe and I, we, when we had our, um, our first baby, our first son, we actually lost nearly halfway through the pregnancy. And so we birthed a little boy whose name, we named him Jedediah. And we went through uh, quite a number of months experiencing such a pain of that loss. And um, one day when we were, we were together, it was only a couple of days after this had happened, and we were together and we were just felt that we should start to pray. And so we did. And in this moment, God just said to us the pain that, you know, that searing pain we were feeling that was just you know, so hard to deal with. God was like, this is the kind of pain, this is only a tiny example of the kind of pain that I feel for those who, um, who go to a lost eternity without me, who spend life after death separated from God. Now, that's not why we lost our baby, but God used the pain of that experience to help us understand that. And, you know, in that moment, it was really defining for Shafin and I. We both, like, in that moment went, yep, we're going to be a means to your end, God. We're just going to do whatever we need to do to see your gospel preached to as many people as we can. To pray, pray that God would show you, and hopefully it's not like that, but, you know, they're not really linked. It's just God uses our experience, he uses our lives to to, um, show us things about him. So the, the eyes of the Lord, they do, they search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are completely his. That's from 2 Chronicles 16.9. What does it mean to have your heart be completely his? We often talk about being available. And, um, you know, we might think about that as time, and it is. We might think about that as finance, and it is to a certain extent. We might think about that as health, and yeah, it is. To rock up and serve and do things, you've got to have health. Um, but in many ways, it's to do with the positioning of your heart, to be available, 
to be simply surrendered to being a means to God's end, to doing whatever it is he would direct you to do. Um, whether or not you feel it's your calling on your purpose, it's having that yes to God. The Bible says, who understands my heart? Who knows the purpose for which they exist? I will pour out my power. I will pour out the power of the Holy Spirit and provision because they align the strength of their lives and church with my purposes. Sorry, that was Schaefer, not the Bible. <laughs> but he's saying in his right, and there's scriptures that back this up, that God does, he pours out his power, his purpose, his provision on those who are, who are willing to be a means to the end. So, you know, the first positioning of your heart is that yes. You know, that yes in your heart. God qualifies the cord. He doesn't look for the qualified. He looks for that heart that we've just been talking about, that heart that's available, that heart that says yes, and then he qualifies you. Do you know we do believe here at Oceans Perth that the growing is in the going or mission is discipleship. We don't think that, you know, you go and you train and you study and you don't do anything until you're qualified and then you start doing it. That's not how it works. But as you go, as you start to do the things God is showing you to do, you will grow. Who's experienced that in their lives? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was in my early 20s, I, st- I became a part of a church plant like some of you guys would have in our, in a couple of years ago. And, oh, my goodness, I have never grown so much in my life. I was, like, stretched from here to Timbuktu, it felt like, and I was so unqualified, and so were the people that we were doing it with, really. And um, But, boy, we grew, and God was so faithful. We saw so many people encounter Jesus. And, you know, as many of you know, that church is Nations Church, which is now one of the most fruitful churches in our city and, um, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was, I was part of the Motley crew that went out and started that church. And, um, you know, I was completely unqualified. In fact, the pastor there, Ken Lee, called us a Motley crew. Like, he was like, great, I'm going to start a church with you lot. You know, but God was faithful. God was good. You know, he builds his church when we just simply show up and say, yes, God. So, you know, that no one is cancelled out of this. Um, but, but part of saying yes does involve counting the cost. The co- there is a cost to your comfort. There's a cost to your convenience, to our plans, our pleasure, our wants, even our rights. Even our rights sometimes. You know, it's like my right to do what I want. It's my right to say what I want. It's my right to, you know, go here or do that. But actually God has called us to serve and Jesus modelled this so well. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Talking about giving up your rights. He gave up his rights, he gave up his equality, his privilege, his way. God became human, flesh, and then died. Incredible, incredible heart of service. The amazing thing is that as we position our hearts and we say yes to God, 
then the Holy Spirit helps us. God helps us. He doesn't just leave us like, good, you know, to do it in our own strength at all. Like the church wouldn't work at all if that's what was happening. Acts 2 verse 8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So... God gives us power. He gives us grace. He gives us capacity and ability. He disciples us. He shows us. He puts people in our lives that help us. And it is an absolute miracle. Like I said, when I said yes to God and joined this motley crew of 30 people that went and established a new church, then, you know, here we go 15 years later, there's a nation's church, an incredible, large, you know, fruitful church in our city that has seen many, many people encounter the gospel. And, you know, it's kind of a bit like one of those things when I joined that group I did it I just joined it not because I wanted to have meaning in my life to be honest I didn't think about that sort of stuff at all when I was in my early 20s I just was like oh yeah I like the pastors yeah I'm gonna go do that and that's pretty much about the extent of it and um do you know what though as I've grown older and like I said you become more and more it matters more and more that you've lived your life doing something meaningful right as I've grown older, I'm so grateful that I spent those years when I was in my early 20s when I could have been totally wasting my time doing all sorts of stuff that actually just did happen to, by the grace of God, say yes to that adventure and spent my years sowing into that space. Because now I look back and I look at nations and I think, wow, like, man, I was there at the beginning and I was a part of that, you know? And it's not about me at all. And like the 30 that did that, who are they? No idea. When, you know, like it's not, not about us, but then this amazing community is there that's been so fruitful. And so it's always worth saying yes to God because you just never know how that meaning is going to come about in your life. So, um, so as we come together at church, you know, the church is not about preservation, but we're, it's about pioneering. You know, uh, we want to pioneer something that is going to see many people encounter God. And already in the short few years we've had here, we've seen many people encounter Jesus. And it's amazing. Um, But there's a few ways that we can really practically engage in this um, place to go with purpose. And now uh, we're assuming here, though, if we're doing this, we're assuming that um, our first two vision statements of know God and grow together is sort of already in place in your life. And so one of the things we talked about in that space was we have a rhythm in our church that we kind of nickname temple and table where we gather together on a Sundays like they did in the, you know, in the Bible at the temple and then we gather together in, in our dinner parties and our small groups around the table. And as we commit to that, um, we kind of establish a foundation upon which we are a strong community who's got a, a purpose around knowing God and helping others know God and then from there we can go with purpose together. So the two, um, the, there's a couple of key ways, four quick ways that we can do this. Um, the first is to pray and fast, Shafin's put here. You know, the church is built, it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. So let's be committed to praying. Do you know I've seen so many people encounter Jesus and I was praying for them? And I'm not saying that that is why necessarily, but I suspect it had a lot to do with it. 
Shafan and I feel like our secret superpower is praying together in agreement. When we come together and we pray, it's amazing we see these amazing answers to, God, uh, to our prayers from God. Um, so, you know, there's ways that we can, we can pray. Um, like here at, at Ocean's Perth, we gather before the service, uh, about an hour before the service, and we, we spend time praying together for the service. Um, we also have uh, Tuesday morning at six in the morning, we have a prayer meeting that you can get the details of and get along to. And so um, that's a powerful time where we spend time praying and hour and power is what we call it. And you can join online as well. There's a little feature that we stream it at six in the morning and you can join online. And I often do that because of my children. Um, but the Bible says, you know, Jesus says, my house shall be a house of prayer. You know, revival and a move of God just does start with prayer. For some reason, God saw fit to, 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 to use prayer, our prayer, an agreement, our agreement with his will to see things outwork on earth. And so we praying, having the discipline of prayer in our life is a really key way that we can go with purpose. And there's certainly not a lot you get out of it yourself. It's prayer is something that is very much sacrificial. It's something that we do as we understand and discern the will of God and pray that into being. Uh, the second way is to give. You know, this is the heart of God. He, he's designed his church to, to be um, built on giving, that believers give, giving 10% the tithe. And... Um, you know, the reality is to, to keep this light and this flame alight as the church, to be speaking the gospel out, to be ministering and helping people come along that journey. Um, it just does take money. There's buildings, there's, um, well, buildings is kind of the biggest one, but there's like buildings and releasing people into ministry and all these sorts of things takes money, you know. And, and, and God says, like the Bible says, where your treasure is, there your heart is. So, you know, sometimes you, people say you can work out where your heart is by just looking at your bank statement, like where you're spending money. I can tell you my heart this week has been in the clothing stores. If you looked at my bank account, I did have a little shopping spree this week, which is very nice. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, where your, heart, where your treasure is, there your heart is. And sometimes I think that's the chicken or the egg. Is your heart there, therefore you put your treasure there? Or are you putting your treasure there and therefore your heart follows? I suspect it's probably both. But where you invest your money, often you'll find your heart will go into that place. You'll be like, oh, what's going on there? I'm interested. I'm invested in this place. You know, you're invested. You're engaged. Like, I want to be a part of this. I'm a part of this community. I'm part of the purpose and the mission of, of this community. It's a very godly principle. Um, so that's the sex. So first is pray. The second is, is give. And the third is serve. You know, sometimes it can be confusing. We think, okay, we're going to get the gospel out with this and that. But sometimes you can just look at Jesus. He's the you know, epitome of what we want to be like. And he lived a life of service. It's the ultimate expression of love. The litmus test of your faith is loved. And that is expressed in serving God and one another. And every single person can serve in some way, no matter how busy, how old, how young, what your past has been. There is, a, you know, and a beautiful array of many giftings coming together in this community. And it's stunning. When you come even here on Sunday, you can see photography, videography, the prayer team, connect and host teams, dinner party leaders, youth, the creative space, kids ministry. Yeah. 
What an incredible place to serve. Kids ministry, that's all about the next generation being reached. It's like so easy, just kids here, teaching them the Bible, those seeds that you put into people's hearts. The word of God never returns void. You know, and sometimes you can feel like, oh, I'm going to miss out on the service if I'm serving and doing something in kids or in hospitality or whatever, but it's a lie. Do you know that you are more blessed to give than to receive? So if you want a blessing, serve, yeah. (laughs) It's good. And And the fourth thing is to bring. Bring people. Bring your friends to Jesus. Do you know, like, this is something I really believe, that... The, the harvest is plentiful, as in the people that want to find Jesus, they're, they're more plentiful than we realise. It's actually the workers that are few. It's actually us being available. That's actually the problem. It's not so much people that are looking um, for God. And, you know, there's so many people that are probably in your circles. You know, be deliberate. Cross the um, lines of your normal life. Get out of your lane. Cross the lane. Meet people that don't know Jesus. So many people are searching for God. I had a friend in the last, you know, couple of months say to me, Jess, um, you know, can I, can I cross professional boundaries? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> How? And she's like, we need to talk about faith. And, you know, I was like, wow, there you go. Um, and, and it really struck me, started to share with me how hard it is to find if you don't know faith, like if you don't know anything about God, like in the Christian world, we're like, oh yeah, we know where to go to church. Oh yeah, we know who's good. We know what churches are good and what's not. I think this person nearly joined a cult because they were looking for God and they thought that must be it because they had no idea. And I was like, hang on, let me help you. You know, sometimes we can take the pressure out of bringing people to Jesus just by saying, I'm going to help you go on your journey. You know, you don't have to convert people. Sometimes it's just about being available and open and letting people cross those boundaries and actually saying, you know what, I'm just going to help you on your journey of discovery. It's as simple as that. And so bring people. Expect that people will be asking you about faith. Expect that people are seeking God. Look for those times. The Spirit of God will show you often. And then bring them. Bring them. Let them join community. Let them get engaged in God's um, house. So let's, um, let's stand together. That brings me to the end of our message. Let's stand together. I'm just going to pray for us, you know. I'd love it if, you know, you, you know, it's such a good time. The Word of God, it just refines us, you know. It just refines us. Even like I'm just like refined by this message. Shafin has preached it much better than me. I encourage you to go and listen to him preach it. But, um, you know, if you want your life to be a means to God's end, Let's take a moment to pray now here in this service. And if you're online, to pray in your home. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we want, I want my life to be a means to your end of reaching people, of sharing the gospel. Lord, I give you my plans. We give you our desire, our pleasure, our agenda, our idea of what our purpose is. We give it all to you. We lay it down, God. Lord, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Just like David said, we don't want to give you a sacrifice that costs nothing because that you're not worth you're worthy of more than that, God. You're worthy of our sacrifice. You're worthy of something that costs us. You're worthy. And so, Lord, we stand here, Lord, we repent.
we repent where we've pursued our own agenda, where we've pursued our own comfort, where we've allowed the things of life and the demands of life to take over what is truly meaningful, Lord God. And we pray, Father, that you'd set us on the right track as we stand here tonight before you and ask you, God, to lead us. Come now, let's sing. Let's sing to God. Let's just surrender our hearts to him fresh.